We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Welcome to the Two Trees Podcast. This is Jacob Kessling, and I am here with Nick Church and Martin Listener. I'm excited. Uh, well, I'm not excited. We, John's gone. He's out uh, out on a date with his wife, and we have hijacked the podcast. So we wanted to spend some time um, going back, recapturing some of the things we've talked about, and give it some uh, some more application stuff and, and ask some questions, getting you guys pondering some things, all for uh, the sense of getting application. But we also want to get your feedback. So we would love for you to email us at two trees podcast. That's number two trees podcast at gmail.com. And we also have a Facebook page. Martin, you want to tell them about the Facebook? Yeah, sure. All you got to do is uh, search for two trees podcast. Go to Facebook, look in your search bar. Uh, find that. You can uh, become a member of that. It's free to do so. You just uh, follow our page, and you'll be able to see some behind-the-scenes information, some uh, reminders when the new podcasts come out live. And uh, we're starting to sprinkle in a few questions that we want uh, some responses from you guys. And uh, feel free to direct message us if you don't feel comfortable leaving a comment on there. But uh, also leave it in an open forum, and uh, we'll have a bunch of you guys giving us some information, not just us spewing out our thoughts uh, and emotions, because we think that uh, you guys have some important stuff to, to say also. Yeah, we'd love to, hear, love to hear from you guys, get questions from you. So, Def, you have a chance to do that, send us some questions, email or Facebook. We'd love to, love to hear from you. We're, we want to challenge your thought, thought process, your biblical thinking, and we want you to get excited about your reading the Bible again and, and seeing it differently, um, giving you a different lens to read and understand your Bible because we believe the Bible is better understood in a, in a group setting conversation, and we want to invite you into our group. This is our table conversations. We've been doing this for a while. We decided to invite you into our own table of conversation. So we'd love to have you, again, feedback from uh, emails or Facebook page. Send us your questions. So we, let's kind of get started. What we're going to do is, is kind of go back in time, uh, the last few episodes, and just give some application to it. Before we begin that, though, um, I'm just curious, um, as we just go back and talk about our journey up to starting this podcast, we've talked about this this stuff um, probably for the past few years. And, you know, Martin, you're a little bit newer with this. Uh, can you tell us, you know, kind of how this has started with you? I think you started a podcast, and, and I remember um, one of the episodes, you, you kind of, you were kind of taken back because some of the things that were being shared in the episode was such a, like, I have never heard any of this stuff before kind of thing. So t tell us a little bit about that journey and kind of how it's changed your thought process even now as you read the Bible. Absolutely. Uh, I, I did start a podcast. It's uh, called Not Your Average Sunday School Stories. Uh, you can look that up anywhere that you're listening to this podcast right now uh, if you want some information. So I just basically had the idea of uh, when I was growing up, I had a lot of the Sunday School answers. Uh, I've mentioned, I think, on here before, I was the fastest sword driller in Miami County at one point. I just made that stat up. It's not really confirmed, um, but you can't deny it either. So either way, uh, I just had all the right answers when we were going through the Sunday School stories. But when I got of age to where I had to go into the real world, into college and beyond, there was a lot of times where my biblical knowledge was being tested by my peers and other non-believers that were out there, and I basically had the same answers from when I was seven years old that I was giving to them, and the power in those answers changed between a seven-year-old and a 22, 23, 24-year-old with that. So I really had to re-examine some of those stories and get to the meat and potatoes behind the Sunday School version of the story. So that's what the podcast is all about, and uh, we go through kind of the children's book and then into the Bible and figure out what is missing from the children's stories, but also how those stories lead to salvation. And the one that you are referring to is the Noah's Ark um, episode that we did. So I was going into that with the idea of, like, we're going to learn a lot about the animals and kind of what came of that, and not two minutes into the episode, all of a sudden we're talking about these 
spiritual beings making offspring with women of earth (laughs) and like causing this corruption on earth. Nephilim and the earth, yeah. And I'm thinking like, well, I just thought they were like stealing and, you know, cursing a lot and all this, that, and the other. And it's like the corruption on earth was not just guys doing bad stuff all the time. Yeah. And that led into some like eye-opening moments where I, uh, there was a point in the podcast where it almost went silent because I didn't know where to go from all the little kid questions that I had written down to ask the guys that was was there that day. So uh, it, it was really eye-opening to me, and it, and it really excited me. I, I mean, we've used the word enchanting to get back into the, the Bible, but man, when you're reading it through the different lens that I was given that day and a lot of the conversations that we've had uh, around the table with you know people that have been on this podcast and some others that will hopefully join us in the future, there is so much more to learn from it, and it really strengthens my belief and my faith structure that goes along with it because I can have conversations with my peers and the non-believers now and and feel more equipped to defend my faith and to also, you know, help them establish their own faith. So it was a, it was a huge eye-opening scenario for me and and I have really everybody that's sitting here and and Pastor John as well to uh thank for that. So Yeah, it's um it, that that podcast has really been interesting for me too, and to have a, a group of guys who see and process the Bible differently has been really um, again eye opening. And Nick is one of those who likes to um, say, "So what?" Kind of, he's like, "What's the application? What does this lead us to? Is this just a bunch of content knowledge that we just consume?" Because that's that John loves that stuff. But uh, Nick, Nick will be with more than anything else, and I, I, I love that about him because I, I kind of will lean this direction too. Martin will as well. Um, but uh, the application side of things, how, how is the content though? Has the content at all changed anything for you when it comes to the application, Nick? So what? So what? Now yeah, what? Now what? <laughs> so yeah, it has. Um, I think we all learn in our own unique ways. And uh, application has always been something uh, big for me. Uh, but I, what I've really enjoyed about this podcast, and especially uh, with John and all of his knowledge, is that even though John has a lot of knowledge, he does it in a way uh, that makes it interesting and makes you want to dig into it more. That's one of the big things that I've enjoyed about uh, enjoying this podcast and being um, friends with you guys and different things is just uh, it makes me want to dig in more. So when John's getting all like geeked out about like here's here's seven, do you see how many there's kind of yeah, seven? Exactly. You're like so yeah. What, what does that mean? We, we just pass we just pass <laughs> over those. Yeah, or you know he'll go into some history you know about the Egyptians or uh, you know the Romans or something. But that's the thing that's helped me in my preaching alone is that now that I understand some of that backstory, it brings alive more the application part to when I preach, that's what I want to come across is how do I apply all this to my, to our life. And really what I've got from that is just the levels that the Bible provides to the readers and to the listeners of, of that. So, I mean, there's been people that have lived and died with the, the base level knowledge of the Bible, and that's been enough, uh, I think, to you know get them saved and, and get them a relationship with Jesus. But it, in my idea of I'm the kind of guy that finds the scratch in the paint and continues to pick at it, you know, and, and picks it further and further and further. And that, to me, has been such a, a relief, I guess, when I'm struggling with, you know, how this book was written so long ago, how can it be, you know, applicable to today? And then you start picking away farther and farther, and you find these things like how many times seven is used or what the what ten means. And then you go into the historical facts that happened during the time that this was going on, and it's like, this all adds up. Like, it just continues to say yes to the answer. And, and the more we dig into it, the more the answer becomes clear. And it's like, you don't find that anywhere else. So the the background knowledge really adds to the application that you can, you know, peel from it today. So that's why there's guys like us in the world, because we can apply all of John's knowledge and make it make sense. Yeah, we... I guess I always really, really struggled. I don't know if if you are listening or a pastor and stuff, and we have congregation members who leave and say, we just want deeper teaching. 
And I used to think I was just, just I don't know, craziness. Like, was deeper teaching. We just you know, send them to John's church. That's, the, that's what we do, yeah. <laughs> we send them over, which is, which is great. But I, I'm always like, you guys, you can't even, like, I, I don't want to pick on. This is just what happens. I'm like, we can't apply the most simplest of things. We don't need deeper. We need to go a little wider, especially when it comes to our love and grace and forgiveness. But one of the things that I have learned, and I, I typically like, you know, uh, I read six chapters. I read a whole book today. And the reality of knowing that there's lots of stuff that God could have uh, written lots and lots and, I mean, millions upon millions of words, but he decided to inspire writers to to write the words they wrote. And every word, every phrase, sentence, those have, have meanings. And it's not that we're trying to find some numerical code in here, but there are a lot of things that we need to stop or slow down and read and listen. For example, I, I remember going through like the the curse, the, the punishment for Satan, and uh, this will lead me to something I've discovered through just slowing down. But uh, with Satan, it says, uh, talks about on his belly he'll crawl, cursed will be all above all the livestock. This is Genesis chapter 3. And we didn't spend much, not as much time because it was tied towards the end of the podcast. But um, I wanted to just bring this up and ask a couple questions. I want you to research this. It says, uh, it talks about there'll be enmity between you and the woman. And I I guess I always flew by that. And I flew by this between your seed and her seed just to get to the crushing of the head and the bruising of the heel because that's the gospel. That's Jesus. That's prophecy. I mean, this is is what we want to spend time on. But I, I don't know. I forced myself to go back and say, okay, there'll be enmity between you and the woman. And I started just thinking, what, what does that mean? What, how is that going to play out in the world? How is that, what is that going to look like in t- and, and as time goes on? And ultimately, is this setting up what we ought to be looking for in between your seed and her seed? And I, I just was like, wait, 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 time out. I understand Eve's seed. I know that Jesus is going to be born, the Messiah, the lineage. You see this happening, you know, this same kind of thing for Abraham and then the seed of David. We have these this line, we know the Messiah is coming, but his seed, the serpent seed, I, what? I, I just did not, I mean, I don't, for some reason never noticed that. There'd be enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And all of a sudden I was like, man, is there something more? going to take place. And this is what kind of began my my journey. So after I kind of discovered this, I was like, I'd never seen this before. I decided to read slow. And I went on to the next little part, and, you know, the the Adam uh, cursing of the ground. And I, just to make this short, I don't want to spend a ton of time. I'd love for you to discover it yourself. Genesis uh, it says that the ground would be cursed all the days of your life. And and then I started looking up that word, lay, or toil, and it's only in three places. It's it's to the punishment for Adam, the punishment for Eve, and then there's another spot in Genesis chapter 5. So I'm like, oh, let's look over there. If you've ever used Blue Letter Bible, that's where I found this. It says this in, in verse chapter 5 of Genesis, verse 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, he will bring, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil, there's that word again, of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. What? I don't know why I've never seen this before. He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. I was like, okay, okay, wait, wait. I I didn't know what to do with this. And then I kind of, I I went and uh, I made up, I added up all the years. And I don't know if all these years are supposed to be like legitimate, if there's anybody else in here. But I added up all the years and I realized that Adam was still born when Lamech was alive. Adam dies while Lamech's alive and the next son born if you count up the years, was Noah. And Noah will bring comfort in the labor and painful toil. So I was like, okay. So I kept on reading. I ran into chapter 8, and the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. They get off the ark. This is before the rainbow. Chapter 8, verse 21, the Lord smelled and pleased aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all evil creatures, all living creatures, I'm sorry, as I have done. Anyway, I just was like, is the curse over? Was it over with? Because, I mean, I, I was yanking thorns and thistles out of the field when I was a little kid for pennies, and I was like, this is due to the curse, but is that really it? So anyway, I started asking, and I would have never seen that if I didn't slow down, if I didn't start looking at stuff like that. And anyway, this has just been really kind of a fun thing. I remember walking around my living room like, I can't believe this. And I've never, Why have I never heard this? So I'm just, you know, these are the kinds of things you can discover. Study that on your own. Look it up on your own. 
but these are, it's just been so much fun. And I call everybody and they'll say, you know, you're out of your mind. You can even tell somebody, hey, the curse to the ground is over. And everybody say, no, it's not. Look at my yard. Anyway, so it's just a fun thing to kind of get into. So, but, Jacob, what, yeah. what I would say to that is, you know, the Lord has blessed me in many different ways. And here's another one, because I have no choice but to read slow. So if, if you've ever <laughs> heard me read anything, you know that I have to take some time with it. So uh, on that, but uh, but I love the, the fact that you're pulling it out from there, not to steal your thunder, but uh, what I would go into again with this slowing down to read it is uh, in Genesis 15. I'll bring up my own uh, testimony as well with this. So this is actually the passage that I, I preached about um, at Pastor John's church, and then again at Nick's church, which is where I attend there as well. But there's a, there's Can a I certain... preach two sermons at the same time? Did you preach two sermons? Can I preach my sermon at your church and the same sermon at another church? Yeah, okay. why not? I, I didn't know I could do that. As long as they don't listen to the one over there, because uh, we don't want them to know you recycled it. That, that's all I have is one sermon, okay? So, But I do it very mediocre. You one twice? <laughs> you did a good job. You did a <laughs> great job. But, it was your second time, though, right? Yeah. So it should have been good. So it was better at my church than it was at John's. <laughs> one more time, and I'll, I'll perfect it, I think, right? Third time would be the charm. Uh, but there's a there's a spot in Genesis 15 that uh, really got to me. So I, I kind of take this Genesis 15. This is the covenant that God creates with Abram at the time. And there is a spot in there where Abram basically isn't believing God. He's, he's telling him again that he's going to have children and a lot of them. And Abram's just kind of not having it. And then uh, if you start in verse 4, the, Behold the word of the Lord. This is Genesis 15, verse 4. The word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir. Uh, one who will come forth from your own body shall be your heir. And then he takes him outside and says, Now look towards the heavens and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, So shall your descendants be. And that statement right there was something that I didn't grasp the first several times that I read through this. So shall your descendants be. I always thought of that as the song, you know, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, right? So uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it was... That's a great song. Is the idea that Abram is going to have a lot of children, right? He's going to have a lot. But it, it didn't make sense logically the more I thought about it, because if, if you're Abraham or Abram at the time, and you look up to the stars, Abram didn't have the Webb te- telescope. He didn't have the Hubble telescope. I'm yeah. not even sure he had a telescope at this point in history. So he's looking up at the stars, he just sees a lot of dots, right? Yeah. He, he can't number them. There, there's maybe a 1,000, maybe he can see 10,000, not very much light pollution back then. So he can probably see a vast number of stars. But if God wanted to tell Abram that he was going to have a bunch of kids, like more than he could count, wouldn't he tell him to look at the desert that he's standing on and that he's walked through yeah, there's his a lot entire of sand. life? You yeah. can pick up a handful of sand and have more grains of sand than he could count the stars in the sky. So when you read through it and it says, so shall your descendants be, he's telling Abram that his descendants are going to be like the stars. They're going to be like the heavenly hosts. They're going to have eternal souls that God is going to want to love and take care of and help further his kingdom by having those descendants be like that, not not giving him a numerical value. Uh, you know, when we look at how we've learned how to read the Bible, if he really wanted a numerical value, he would use the grains of sand, which... Yeah which is used later on uh, with some of the descendants of Abram. He, he says, you're going to have like the grains of sand. I wish I knew that off the top of my head. Uh, but he says they're going to be like the stars, and so shall your descendants be. Is just one little quick line that you just go over because it's, well, you're going to have a bunch. But no, there's so much deeper level to that statement. It kind of gives a divine purpose to the statement, Bingo. not just, uh, yeah, you'll have lots of kids that you can't mm-hmm. count or grandkids or gener- you know generations that'll come. Though right. it, meant, it meant both. Correct. That's a, you know, that's an awesome thing. Um so can I add a so what right here? Yeah. All right. That's so, what you're here for. Well, I just had this picture because have you guys ever seen uh, the movie The NeverEnding Story? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, if you haven't, you need to, right? I haven't finished it. What? Oh, my goodness. Because it never ends. That's Come true. on, guys. <laughs> yeah, for so, real. So I'm imagining, isn't it Fred Savage that, that plays? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I'm picturing him in the bed when his grandfather is telling him that story and he is just into it and he's really listening and he wants to hear the next phase and are you mixing princess bride with never ending story am i i don't know yep, yep. That's, yeah. am i that's am i mixing the two yep. i am mixing the two okay. this is why i don't talk a lot but i like this both of them back. both of those okay, are great movies that's, coming that's from the, the guy talking about coming from the guy that takes <laughs> okay. all of his stuff from movies yeah. 
I think I know what I'm talking about here. Okay, it is the Princess Bride. It yes. is Princess but Bride. But Never Any Story is up in this, like the school attic. Well, both Disney. of those are good movies. Okay. But you get the point. Yes. Okay, you see where I'm at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, what I'm visioning, though, what I'm visioning, though, is this This is what this has done for me in my Bible readings, mm-hmm. is that I, I just don't read over it and just be done with it. I am really into it now. I'm. It's like coming alive. Yeah. I mean, Hebrews says that, right? That, that it, it, it's, an, it's an alive thing to us. This is a powerful thing. And now these words are jumping off the pages, and I want to know what the next story is. Even though I know it, I want to read it again because I'm seeing it with different eyes and hearing it with different ears. And so to take it a step farther from that, because you're exactly right. Like, I, I never read, and John, like, almost wrung my neck, I think, the first time I mentioned how many books I've read since I graduated high school, which was about 11 years ago. Uh, it's not very many is the correct answer. But it, the next step from that to me is, like, I want to get back into the Bible. I've said it before. There's times where I'm just sitting there kind of bored at home, or I have a few minutes, and I'm like, man, I just want to open the Bible and read it because I'm, uh, you know, I'm engrossed in it the way that you're discussing. But the next step that I've kind of come across is the next challenge, I guess, for me to, to go with is it, it's such an intriguing book and a, an interesting read, but then it's connecting the dots that this is not just a book report that I'm supposed to do on this book and turn it in for a grade. This is like the explanation of why the world is the way that it is and the explanation of the universe. Like this is the footprint for why things are the way that they are. It, it's such a real life scenario it's hard for me to connect the the church going activities and, and the reading of the Bible to now this is real life, right? Like that's why application I think means so much to me is because this is not a book. This is a manual, I guess, if you will, of of life. Like and that's been the biggest challenge to me because I can sit and read it and and fall in love with the stories and and be like, man, that's such a cool thing. And then I go out and I just live life like the way I, I used to. And it's like, you, I have to have a different perspective on how I view, you know, going to work and being with other people and, and attending church even, because this is real life. This book is real. I think that's, I think this is a reason why um, the Lord told um, to share the stories with their children and the generational Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thing. I think this is why. I mean, can you imagine... Hearing, you know, your father or your grandfather, you know, say that they walked the Red Sea, mm. you know, and I mean, I guarantee you that was a different story than what it was when I grew up, and I, oh, that was that's pretty cool. Did it happen? I don't know. Okay, yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I, I mean, I, my my upbringing, I'm grateful for the roots that I grew up in in, in the Christian realm, but for me, it was just you know, make sure you do your devotions five minutes a day. Mm-hmm. So you have your checklist and you can feel like you're close to God. So I just read over these stories and didn't really apply them. Reading it different now. No, yeah, it, I totally agree. Um, the reading has changed dramatically. And one of the things that we um, read through in some episodes earlier was the Ephesians 6.12. And, and man, it's just one of those things I wanted like, to have more conversation about. And that's uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. So we've talked about Satan. We've talked about him and Isaiah and Ezekiel. We've looked at different parts of who he is. Uh, we also realize, Paul, as Paul talking about, there's, there is a war coming at us. You know, Peter says it, he's like a lion seeking who he may devour. I, I wanted to spend some time... Um, just talking about that a little bit. So we got so we got a lot of feedback over the the statement was made about um, we'll buy guns to protect our our homes and our families physically, but man, we really struggle when it comes to praying over our family, our kids, our churches, our neighborhood, and taking on a, a battle in the spiritual spiritual realm. And I'm not sure if it's because we don't believe it's there or if it's because we don't realize the um, importance of prayer. Um, but I wanted to spend some time talking a little bit about spiritual warfare. Um, what do you guys think that looks like, or how has it been in your own personal life? Because for me, um, I think today, after going through a lot of this stuff, I'm starting to think um, a, a whole different way than I used to think. 
How about, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I love the the idea of you know the the purchasing protective items for our, our physical life. And you can even take that further. You know, we buy security cameras or we take vitamins even, you know, to make our body better, but we don't take vitamins for the soul, if you will. So, but the reason that I think that is because it's so difficult for us to recognize the spiritual war that's brought at us. The The biggest thing that I always think of is, you know, on one shoulder you have an angel and on the other shoulder you have a little red guy with a pitchfork. And the guy on that shoulder is always trying to get you to do the thing you shouldn't do, you know, like break the rules or this, that, and the other. But the Satan is more crafty than any beast of the field, right? And we kind of had that conversation that he almost knows the rules of engagement better than we do. So he can twist the things that sound like they're a good idea and utilize that as a way to get us to do something that we shouldn't do. And you see it in Genesis 3, you see it really throughout the entire Bible, and especially when he's tempting Jesus. Like, he's spouting Scripture back to Jesus, but just in a twisted way. So what we think of Satan tempting us is, you know, this little voice in our head that says, you should steal that, or you should murder somebody, or you should, you know, lust for that woman or something. But it, it Satan isn't, in my opinion, Satan isn't that direct, where it's just like, hey, do it, do it. You know, the peer pressure of your your buddies, yeah. and they're like, you won't do it, you won't do it. Satan is so crafty that he is going to take something that we think is a good thing, and that could be, you know, religious-related activities or the things of just checking the box off, and utilize that as a way to get us off the path that we're going for. I, I think there's such a craftiness to the way that he tempts us that we don't recognize it as a temptation. No, I agree. Nick, what's your thoughts on like, I'm going to ask something very specific and you could totally disagree because I'm I'm wrestling with this. Do you think the unseen realm, and I'll say this as the the darkness or those who are against us and not for God, um, do they have the ability to, in your, in your opinion or thoughts, you know, um, do you, and I say that because I, I have some some scripture here. I just don't know if we can—I'll read them in a moment. Do you think that he can put thoughts in our head? Like, is there ability to put an idea or a thought in our head or a statement or a or something like that? Yeah, I see where you're going with that. I, I, I think that's a, a viable question. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I mean, is he telling me to—you know, I remember the first time I stole. It yeah. was a stick of gum from Meyer, and— uh was I know y'all are shaking your head? Unbelievable! At me. I know. <laughs> a was, stick of gum what, or a pack? A, 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 sorry, it was a pack. Okay, I thought you maybe it opened was a pack. it up. I opened it up in the car, and that's how I got caught. <laughs> oh, I got you because my parents knew they didn't buy that for okay. me. Okay, so so anyways, <laughs> like so, does that mean like you know our, this spiritual warfare that we talk about was this enemy in my mind saying take that pack of gum, you know, or is that just? My curiosity of I wonder if I can take that off the shelf, put it in my pocket, and no one will know about it. Yeah. Um, or getting into some of the scripture that you're going to have uh, that you'll talk about. I don't know if one of them's the the scripture with you know Jesus looking at Peter and yeah. you know there and saying, "Get behind me, Satan." Well, the weird like, part. What's, of- what, what's what's that? What's all happening there? So that's the weird. Like not too many verses earlier, you have um, he asked who. Who do you think I am? And as everyone remains in silence who've walked with him and seen him do all this stuff, Jesus says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And and he's he's affirmed in that, but then Jesus says, you know, flesh and blood didn't give this to you, but my Father in heaven. So clearly it seems as though that thought was put in his head, and like, none of us, I don't have a problem with that. But just just a few verses later, you know, as Jesus is talking about his, his destination of being in the cross, and he's going to die, and he'll rise again, stuff, and Peter's like, never... Should this happen to you? And Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. So, I mean, my, my thought is I'm trying to process this is, um, was that a was that something put in his head by the evil realm, by Satan himself? Um, and he, he spoke it? Or is this the agenda that he's representing living out of his fear? You know, what... what what, what is what, what do you think? I, I, do, I do think that the spiritual realm has... Um, a an influence i'll say that um i i am a child of god i i know that 100 um 
the, the, the enemy does not own me. Uh, but I think he can influence some of those thoughts. I, I, and this is just me speaking. Yeah. I think for Peter, I think just from what we know from Scripture, I think we can understand one of his weaknesses uh, was, you know, acting out in the flesh. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And so if the spiritual realm knows that that is Peter's weakness, which I, I think they do, um, then can they influence some of those thoughts in Peter to where he actually speaks those? I, I think by this question's coming from a space of listening to multiple testimonies of people who have just dealt with some severe, whether it's depression or just got to a very dark place as everything was kind of swallowing them up. And a few of them even had like guns to their head ready to do it. And just what what they hear in their heads, I, it's almost like the same exact exact chanting and, you know, just do it. No one will miss you. Everyone will be better off. It's the same stuff. And I wonder if like, okay, is everyone just thinking the same exact things or is this just always worked all through the ages with the evil realm and they have the ability? And this, I'm just processing this, right? Because... We are spirit, and I'm not talking at all about demon possession, but I'm wondering if part of this flesh or this, our brain or the electric, electric pulses of our brain and stuff somehow could be manipulated. I, I'm just trying to process this. I'm not trying to blame everything on Satan. I know Jacob himself sometimes likes sin. You know, I, I like to do stupid stuff or say stupid things. But I'm wondering if there's, if there's moments where the ideas or thoughts that I have aren't really coming from me. They're coming somewhere else. But one of the things that, that uh, we, and we have these thoughts of like, no one likes you. So you walk in this room and you start thinking, I don't think anybody likes me. So you take the corner and, and then all of a sudden you notice no one's talking to you and it starts to get real. And then you see someone looking over and talking about you and you're assuming, oh my gosh, they're talking bad about me. So the, the original thought enters your head and that's all you needed. And everything else starts to play and you interpret your surroundings by that thought. Is that thought my thought? I'm not trying to blame everything on Satan, but I'm trying to open up the door to consider if he is messing with us in different spaces and places. Because it seems like if we have to take our thoughts captive, why would we need to do that if we weren't perhaps either messing with ourselves or something else is messing with us? Or whatever things are true and noble and praiseworthy and good report, think on these things. Why do we have to change our minds and again, this could be our own flesh and our own depravity. I'm not minusing that, but I, I'm opening this door of question of can the evil realm somehow manipulate our thoughts to get us to think things? And it doesn't come like this evil, dark, don't, it's just going to come in like it's Jacob's thought. And I find that we that we have certain things that when it enters our mind, we will we can eat it and we can take it and receive it easy because it's something we already believe about ourselves. So anyway, I'm just I'm I'm just processing this out loud yeah. in a practical way because if spiritual warfare is coming at us, is it just coming from Timmy who says, "Hey, you're a jerk and I hate you"? Uh, yeah, but it, can it come internally as well in our own minds? Directly from the source, right? Yeah, and, and I I really like the passage that you brought up there because again, if if we connect that thought with the thought that I said before about Satan being more crafty, if he is implanting this idea into Peter. Look at what Peter says in uh, verse 22. Uh, he says, he took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Peter is trying to defend his friend, right? Jesus is about it, to go to the cross. It and, seems so good. And Peter's like, no, don't, don't do that. We don't want you to die. It's like, that's, a, that's a very wholesome thought, right? But what he's doing in doing that is preventing the salvation of the world, right? Without G the death of Jesus... None of us would be having the same conversations that we are tonight. Right. So it's like he, it seems like Peter is doing his friend a favor or he's doing a good thing. So if that comes from Satan, look how crafty it is that Satan is like, no, say this, you can save his life, right? That's good. Yeah. And then it's like, no, you're going to doom the rest of the world if you do this, right? But again, just look how easy it is for us to think like, man, we're doing the right thing by doing this. But if that if that thought comes from the spiritual world of the darkness, it's not a, it's again not like a, a direct attack that is sent to us like steal this pack of gum or do this. It's like, hey, this is a really good idea. Maybe you should try it. And then in turn, it it turns out to be a negative in the the grand scheme of things. And you can really couple that with the fact of how 
small-minded the humans are that we think in the moment and like we need to do this because it's going to be a good thing and we don't look at the big picture even in our life think of like God's timeline we're definitely not looking on God's timeline we don't zoom out to the heaven sphere and say hmm maybe I shouldn't do that because a bazillion years from now it's going to affect it in a certain way but you know that God has that timeline that we don't as well so a lot of cool stuff that comes from that that passage but again is it straight from the spiritual realm? I think, and again, I, I never went to any Bible college or anything, but I I think that uh, in my old way of thinking, I would say, no, the spiritual realm can't physically influence the physical realm the same way we can't influence the spiritual realm. But now, like, looking back at it, it's like, that's probably not correct. I mean, that, how can we pray? Yeah. It, it don't, right? yeah. And it's... Martin, you you said you know, and you've said this a couple of times sitting around this table with with us pastors. You know, I didn't go to to Bible college. Well, I did, and I didn't hear this stuff. Me either. <laughs> so you ain't missing anything. But this is a this is a broad, a, a very uh, wide range. Uh, the spiritual realm. And matter of fact, I think uh, John plans to do a uh, a podcast on um, spiritual this spiritual warfare type of stuff too. But I think the application part of it uh, just so far is the Second Corinthians text. I do want to read that for a second uh, because I think it, it it'll hit home. It says, "For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses." We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we're taking wow. captive every thought, yeah. making obedient to Christ. And I think that. You know, we're talking about Peter in that text there, and what he is saying in the in the mind thing. I think that is why it's very important as believers and followers of Christ that our minds are renewed, yeah. and that we are that we are in the in the flesh or in the um, in the spiritual, and making sure that uh, our hearts are right, our prayer right. You know, we're doing whatever we can do to connect to God, and because we want His thoughts. In us, yeah. So when little Timmy's standing over in the corner, he's listening to the Father of all eyes. Yeah, he's not. He's not listening to you are loved. You're a child of God. You're mine, and no one will pluck you out of my hand. So I mean, I, I think most of us would agree that a lot of the attacks of the evil one are coming a lot of times through through people. Um, we all I have agree. scars from that. I've just been wrestling through the idea of can can some of the attack come into our minds, and and leading to that, I want to just go to one other thought process about the lion seeking whom he may devour. If you've uh, watched Animal Planet or whatever, when when lions come at the herd, um, they they're about separating out something or an animal that's weak, or a young one, and they get it alone because when it's in the herd, it has some some power or it, it you know it's it's hard to overcome so the lions coming at and i'm wondering if if god was specific in and identifying him as a lion thinking you may devour in this in, in for that sense and i was started again the idea of the mindset uh or if if our thoughts can be manipulated don't you feel like we're in a far more vulnerable place when we're isolated and if so like why do you think that is yeah absolutely uh i had a great conversation sat down with uh, an individual and had a conversation about this because he had the idea, which is not a bad idea, but he had the idea that whenever there's something like this happening where we're getting together and we're discussing and we're diving deeper in, that that is where Satan would want to ramp up his attack, right? Like he would want to stop us recording by having the power go out or having our microphones stop. That happens to me every Sunday morning before I <laughs> preach. <laughs> but He's in the electronics. But he convinced and it usually comes in the form of people. <laughs> yeah. They just mute you. They're like, we're going to listen to him today. But but he had the idea, like, that's where Satan would want to ramp up his attack, right? Is when there is a group of people getting together. And I had the opposite idea, like you're mentioning here. It's so much easier for him to pick off one or the other when we're in isolation. Because if he's sending an attack on, you know, use us as an example with us sitting here deep into the Scripture and prayer and studying and meditation, it's a hard battle. You think of, like, a great white shark, the best thing to do is punch it in the nose, right? Because all you have to do is fight back a little bit, 
And he says, well, forget this. I'll go to an easier target, right? A lion's the same way. It's not going to go straight for the head of the pack, knowing that the numbers will outpower him. He's going to find the, the, the loner, the isolated one, the one that stands in the corner at the party, and go for that. So I think that's exactly what happens when you're by yourself, when you're driving at home late at night, or you're laying in your bed and by yourself. How easy would it be to, to infiltrate that person and try to pick off the weak one or the loner or the isolated one. And I don't say weak as far as, like, you're not in the Word or you're not praying hard enough, but weak as in numbers. There's one of you. It, yeah. It's mano y mano. Uh, uh, there's the passage in Hebrew, I believe, where it says that humans were made just below the angels or the spiritual beings. It's like, if you're going one-on-one against a spiritual being, you don't stand much of a chance when it comes to that. But when you're standing beside your buddies or your friends, or your family, or other believers that you don't even know, you have strength in numbers, and and that makes a huge difference. And I know Nick tells us all the time we need to gather with with those around us, and it's like just to be a herd. Like you think of the zebras, they're the most auspicious animals out there, right? They're black and white striped, but when you get a bunch of them together, you can't tell where one starts and one ends, right? Like that's nature's way of keeping it against the lions. A lion's not going to run into a pack of zebras, even though he knows exactly where they're at. They live in the savannah. There's nothing black and white there. They stick out like a sore thumb. But that's kind of how maybe we should be, like the zebras. Hey, here we are. We want to stick out like a sore thumb, but I don't think you want to mess with us because where are we? You don't know where we start and where we end because we're here gathered together and we're deep and entrenched in the Word and and ready to fight back. If he can't... So, again, my connection to this thought. Um, and I think if you're a parent, you really, you desire for your kids to have friends, you know, whenever your kid's lonely, it's just, you know, it's just hard. But if, how, how does he attack us in our lonesomeness? If there can't be any m- mental attacks, is it, do you think it just the flesh left to itself is going to well, I think going back to that Second Corinthians passage, Jacob, I was saying that we were quoting earlier. It says that we we are to break down fortresses. Yeah. And if you think about a fortress in in physical terms, in a fortress, if it's well fortified, built built well, you feel safe. And I I think we have these attacks from this unseen realm that have built fortresses that people like little Timmy can get into the corner. I feel safe right here by myself away from everybody else in this corner. I think that's why we have fortresses of maybe pornography, um, different things that, you know, that are in this realm of today that we can find safety in. We can find satisfaction escape, in yeah. escape. Yeah, yeah, escape. That's what I was looking for. And and these are the fortresses that we have to break down, and they can only be broken down by spiritual weapons. Yeah. yeah. So the purpose and the, the idea of overcoming some of this stuff, certainly um, prayer yeah. does that in a huge way. Prayer fasting. I think you know prayer has such a powerful thing. You you read Daniel, um, and you're going to find, and he humbles himself and prays. God dispatches an angel. I mean, when we pray here in the physical realm, it affects the spiritual realm. I do not know how. I haven't wrapped my head around it, but I just know hmm. that it is it is a place we ought to go. And I, the weird part is, where is the thought coming from? Is I can't pray because God is ashamed of me. He hates me. He um, he he knows I'm a failure, a loser. You know. Where are those thoughts coming from? Is that just natural thoughts from our, our mind? This, this is where I, I, I'm asking that question. Is it possible to bring those thoughts? Because, man, I, what a, a message of the evil one to make us just to to not connect with God, to not pray. I mean, that would be—I'm not saying, that again, they can't be from us and our internal thoughts and our own flesh. But if, in fact, if, if it could happen that they can— speak thoughts to us that seem like our own. Man, we have to be, if if that's true, then I can take that stupid thought captive. I know it's not mine. I'm I'm not going to, I'm not going to embrace that idea. I'm not going to end my life. I know this world isn't better off without me. They, it's not that they don't love me. I'm not, I'm going to embrace that thought and I'm going to change what I think about. I'm going to think about what is true, what is noble, what is praiseworthy. 
And just a real quick challenge for you listeners, if you have this kind of problem with your thought life and where you're going, one of the things that I've learned is to find a place, like designate a place in your life where God has been so real to you, where God has been faithful to you, whether it's an un- unbelievable answer of prayer, whether it's your salvation story, find a time. And I'm just saying this, designate a space in your head. For me, it was when I was in my grandma's living room, I knelt, my, I knelt down and I surrendered my life to Jesus, and my life radically changed that moment the next day. Uh, it is a moment I'll never forget, and I, I won't doubt it. So whenever my mind tends to wander, I don't care if it's thinking about stuff that I shouldn't be thinking about or whatever. I I literally will force myself to stop thinking that, and I will start thinking about that moment that I surrendered my life to Jesus, that real moment. So have a moment. Have a moment. Whether it's your flesh or the spiritual realm coming at you in your thought life, have a moment to look at, to ponder on, to change your mind about, to repent from those thoughts that don't bring life, and think about what does bring you life, and to praise God and things that are praiseworthy and good report, to think on those things. We have to change our mind, regardless if it's coming from the evil realm or if it's coming from our flesh. We got, we have to change our mind. Find a place now, I want to challenge you today to find that place. Find a place where you can disconnect from that thought that's going to easily entangle you and ensnare you and take you to an ugly place if you keep them lingering on it. Find a place to think about something else. Because you know and I know that when you've stopped just thinking about it, you'll pick it right back up. But if you, in fact, can learn to put it down and pick something else up, you'll find greater victory in that level. Any, any final thoughts? As yeah, we... I, I want to add on that. I mean, if that little fancy board that we record on can say amen after that, I'd love for that to happen. Yes, right? maybe applause. That, Get that button there. That was a great. <laughs> that was great. Uh, but on top of that is if someone hasn't reached that point yet or, or doesn't have that you know time in history that they can revert back to and, and has that moment— is how do they obtain that, right? Like, how do you get to that moment? And I think we've already mentioned the answer. Like, if no one's had that experience, that, that thought, that Correct. one moment. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how do you get that? How do you gain that? How do you get access to that? Because that's the whole, you know, part that I struggled with was, and I hate to sound pompous or whatever, but I had a wonderful, you know, childhood and a wonderful time growing up and, and this, that, and the other. And I always, I always felt bad asking for this, but it's like, man, if I just had like, this really tough story, like I came from the streets and like then Jesus turned my life around and this, that, and the other. So, but you know, I know there's other people out there that just don't have that come to Jesus moment that they have. But I think you already answered the question that I'm asking with, with the prayer and fasting. And and Nick, we're about to start this at the beginning of the year, the the 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. And that that's been something that's totally changed my life. When again, we talked about the buying guns to protect ourselves physically. But are we praying with the idea that there is an Almighty God that's listening to that prayer and is going to provide an answer to that prayer, or an opportunity for us to gain the knowledge or the the peace that passes all understanding and the answer to this prayer? Is is that what we're entering into this prayer, into this fasting with? Or is is it just that we sit around the, the dinner table and we say, you know, God's neat, let's eat? And, and go from there. It's like, how are we going into this idea of praying, needing an answer, or, or desiring an answer with all of our, our heart and our, our soul and, and everything? Or are we just running through the motions when we bow our heads and, and, and say the right words in the right order there? And I think that's something that's really helped me, and I'm totally looking forward to this 21 Days of Prayer. We started going to your church about a year ago because it was right after 21 Days of Prayer, and I was like, man, why would you want to sit there for 21 days just with your head down and, like, not eating and stuff? And it's like, I'm super stoked for it this year. Like, with this change in my mindset, I'm like, I think this is something that can really give me that come-to-Jesus moment if you're looking for it, or that that idea of bringing your thoughts back to your thoughts and not what's been instilled to you by the spiritual warfare that goes around. So to me, it's it's pray and fasting, and that sounds like the Sunday School answer, but man, when you look at it from this lens that we're discovering, it's so much more powerful than what you think it is. So Nick, for for those who are on here listening and are saying the same thing like Martin's talking about, what if I just don't have that moment to go back to? I've just really been wrestling with this. What what, what might you tell them? Yeah, if, I mean, if you feel like Timmy and he's, he's over in the corner and uh, 
you know, the enemy's feeding him that lie of no one loves you. The greatest thing that changed my life too is knowing that my creator loves me and loves me so much that even though sin entered into the world and destruction comes and struggles come, he still loves me so much that he sent Christ, his only begotten son, and Christ willingly gave up his life to come down here to take on the form of a servant, to take on our form, flesh and blood, to go through what we, and, and I do, I honestly believe that, that Christ has gone through everything that we ever go through. I mean, scripture says that, right? And so we talk about this spiritual warfare. I mean, where did he fight the spiritual warfare? You know, he fought it in the wilderness. He fought it all the time, but he fought it in the wilderness, and he showed us how to do it. And it was through prayer. It was through communicating with God. And just know that if you're out there listening and, and you're battling, and, and I like what Jacob said, Jacob. I think you, you nailed it right there, is, is if you don't have that point in time where you can go back and, and, you know, I don't know if I've really given my life to Christ. I mean, it's so simple, right, guys? I mean, it's just realizing right. that, that we can't live without him. And we need him, and he's our savior. And you know, my sins—I'll never forget what it felt like and what I told the Lord. And and uh, I mean, I remember it just like it was yesterday when I just asked forgiveness of my sin. I said, "Lord, I just—I can't do life without you." And uh, it's not going to be perfect, and it's not going to be That's perfect right. until we are standing with him. Uh, but uh, just know that if you're listening and, and, and you're struggling and having these thoughts, continue to have some of these thoughts and questions and, and different things. This is what we're doing. You know, if, if I didn't have a group of guys like I have right here, uh, you know, we, we sit around and we talk about these things all the time. And, and uh, I'm just grateful for um, the blessing. I think that's part of the blessing uh, of knowing God is the blessings that you get and the gifts you get. And so we have a a group of guys and buddies that we can go through these warfares and, and depression and uh, different yeah. things that we all struggle with. But uh, if you're listening, just know that, that you're loved and, and um, he wants you.